Today's reading is from Acts 26, verses 1 to 3 and 19 to 32. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defence. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defence against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish, Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day, and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defence. You're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I am not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray that God, not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. They left the room and while talking with one another, they said, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hello, lovely people. And it is so lovely to be with you again. Shall we pray? Father God, we give thanks for your word. We give thanks for the book of Acts. And we give thanks that we can join together in our scattered lives to hear your word. And we pray now that you would anoint us with the power of your spirit, that we may hear the things that you want us to hear, and that we would bless your name. And we will continue to walk with you always in the way that leads to everlasting life. For the name of Jesus, your son, we pray. Amen. On the 10th of June 2007, thousands upon thousands of people across the world phoned up their TV network providers to complain. The complaint was that the TV show that they were watching was dramatically cut short. And what's worse, it was dramatically cut short at the very end. 
And what's even more worse is this was the season finale. In fact, the very last episode of this series that had been running for about 10 years. People had watched it, been invested in it and its characters, and now it was coming to an end. And just as it was ending, they were robbed of the final conclusion. The TV show was The Sopranos, and it's considered by many to be one of the greatest shows of all time. It was certainly one of the biggest big TV shows of all time, a film quality production on the small screen. It had giant stars in it and changed the scope and scale of TV pretty much forever. If you've not come across this show before, basically the main protagonist in it, Tony Soprano, was a crime boss. And there was tension between his job as a crime boss and looking after his family at home and all the various scrapes that came from those two sides and how he held them all together and the impact that it had on his personal life. Now, I'll also say, if you've not seen it, this is not me saying to you, go out and watch it. It is an 18, it's full of violence and that kind of thing, and if you're fine with that, great, but if not, please don't stress. The Sopranos itself isn't very important to what we're talking about today. But the principle of people being robbed is. Now, as it turned out, this going to black of the screen wasn't a technical hitch as a lot of people imagined. No, this was a deliberate step on behalf of the producers and writers of the show. Whereas people had invested in his character Tony Soprano and wanted to know what would happen to him, would he live or would he die, they actually didn't know what to do. So they took the decision to just go to black and allow people to work it out for themselves. And in that way, the story itself will never end. Now, this ending has divided opinions ever since. Some people think it was complete work of genius, while others think that they were somehow robbed. For some, it was the fulfillment of everything they wanted out of the character, while for others, it was an anticlimax. Now, if you're a TV fan like me, you don't need to watch a show like The Sopranos to know what an anticlimax feels like. Many of the binge-worthy, box-settable TV shows that we watch, which we build up to, sometimes feel like they have something of an anticlimax about them. Just a few years ago, people gathered together in families and sometimes even in pubs to watch the very last episode of Game of Thrones. I've never watched Game of Thrones, but afterwards social media was full of people feeling disappointed with the ending. It was an anticlimax. The same feelings were there with shows like Line of Duty and so many others across the ages. The problem being that for us as humans, finding a climax to a great story is a really hard thing to do. And that's the same with so many other forms of art. 
it's the same with books and perhaps it could be said that it's the same with certain books of the Bible. Now over this last year we've been looking at the book of Acts and today this is the last session we're going to have on that book. Next week is the beginning of a new church year. It's the first Sunday of Advent and we're going to start a whole new preaching series. And when we embarked on the book of Acts way back then, there was almost a tangible sense of excitement about it all. You see, the book of Acts begins with this incredible story of Jesus himself speaking to his disciples. Jesus ascending into heaven before their eyes. The Holy Spirit falling on the day of Pentecost. The great speech from Stephen. The stoning of him. The persecution of the disciples. The coming together of the church. The structure and order of the church. Miracle upon miracle. The conversion of Paul. And so many other things in between. But in some ways if you are a writer of this book. It can kind of feel a bit backwards. It starts with the really big looking exciting stuff and as it goes on it can feel, dare I say in human standards at least, a little bit repetitive. In the last few chapters at least you see Paul on trial after trial after trial and maybe making the same speech after the same speech and now in these final chapters we see it coming to the conclusion with Paul making a journey to Rome. We see the beginning of that journey in today's reading and in the verses that follow to the end of the book of Acts we see Paul finally arrive and right there it just stops almost in that soprano's moment of the screen goes blank. There isn't a brilliant conclusion to this book or at least a conclusion that matches the very beginning. In human standards you can feel a little bit disappointed but in spiritual standards there is so much else going on you see even in this reading today we can see God absolutely at work you can see God speaking to Paul and Paul listening and Paul passing on to people the things that God says we see God moving in a completely powerful way we see God keeping Paul safe we see a shipwreck happen after all of this and how God delivers Paul and all those with him through it all miraculously. And you see God fulfill the final promise to deliver Paul to Rome. God is still at work. And maybe, just maybe, this is the issue. As we read this book, we get used to seeing God at work in the everyday so much that it becomes second nature and when things become second nature us as human beings can kind of see them as being irrelevant and boring and I'm going to confess now that before I've tried doing things on Acts and I've just let it go at the end because it seems like all the exciting stuff is in the beginning and that's stuff we should focus on but going through it all we can see God at work at every step of the way. Yes, we have the famous, 
Yes, we have the Ascension. Yes, we have Pentecost. Yes, we see that bloke who fell out of a window and died coming back to life when he was prayed for. Yes, we see all these incredible things. But we also see Paul, his companions and the early church themselves being so used to seeing God at work that it's just part of who they are. They are so used to hearing God's voice. They are so used to miracles. They are so used to miraculous healings. They are so used to it all that as they move on and as they continue on their mission and what comes next in the Bible, what comes afterwards, it is just part of their DNA. It is just part of their identity. And in that same way, this book of Acts doesn't really finish. And I think there is something so powerful in that because there's a message in there that says the story doesn't finish. And just like, I guess, people for the 10, 15 years after that final episode of The Sopranos have debated what has happened to Tony Soprano and in their own way kept the character going, the book of Acts keeps on going through us. The book of Acts keeps on going through the story of Scripture and the story of the church to come. The book of Acts isn't one to be read and put down. The book of Acts is one to live. The book of Acts is one for us to live today and to live out. And as we go forward, to keep living out. Though the series of Acts and our preaching series on it may be coming to its close, living a church of Acts continues. And this now is the time for us to keep on going not to stop and say, well, that was nice or indifferent or whatever else we thought about it. Now's the time for us to be changed and changed for good as we look forward and as we go forward. Because we want to see miracles continue to happen. We want to see people continue to come to faith. We want to see people have all manner of encounters with the Lord. We want to keep hearing God's voice. We want to be guided by him in all that we do and we want to trust him all the more knowing that he is with us at all times. Yes, we want to live and be that church that we see in this place. Now, as I said, today is the last Sunday of the church year. Next week begins a new one as we begin the season of Advent. But this day is kind of a special one in the church year as well. For those who know already, you will know that today is also known as Stir Up Sunday. Now, so some people in the secular world, Stir Up Sunday is known as the day that you make your Christmas cake or Christmas pudding, whatever it is. I'm not a cook, by the way. You stir it all up. But... That, if you like, is tradition that has come from what happens in church. Because on this day, we as a church are encouraged to be stirred up ourselves. That God's Spirit would stir us up. That as we go into the year that is coming, we will be more set apart, more set on fire, more expectant of what he will do in the year to come. You see, the church year wasn't designed to go round and round. Is designed to go up and up and up as each year we get stirred up more, stirred up more, stirred up more and go forward. 
And as we go into this next year, on the back of this year, this book of Acts, this year of Acts, we want to go forward, stirred up, to see more of the stuff of Acts, more of the move of God, more of the power of his spirit at work, more people come to faith. And all of this we know we can't do on our own. Sometimes we can look at those disciples, those early Christians in the book of Acts and generally wonder how did they do it? And generally look at them and think there was something super and special about them. But praise the Lord, we also know of their flaws. We also know that they were fallen. We also know at times they were numpties. We also know that before the day of Pentecost, they were completely scared and broken. And even afterwards, they screwed up as well. We know that they were people like you and me, normal, everyday people. But we also know that God did a powerful thing through them. And as God did a powerful thing through them and with them, so he wants to do the same with us. As we go into the next year, as we move on, we move on in the principles of Acts and we pray that the Lord would truly stir us up. We pray that God would stir us up, stir up his church that we may see more in the year to come. And I'm just going to finish this little bit today by praying this ancient prayer that is set to be read today. The collect, the special prayer for the Sunday before Advent, Stir Up Sunday. And I wonder if just where you are, you will just do what makes you feel comfortable to lift yourselves to the Lord. If it means putting your hands out, do it. If it means putting your eyes up to heaven, do it. If it means closing your eyes, do it. But be comfortable and be ready to pray. Stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, the wills of thy faithful people, that they, plentifully bringing forth the fruit of all good works, may be plentifully rewarded through thee. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.